1: unfiltered night talk with the original king of unconventional conversation
2: the late night alternative with ian
1: lee on talk radio well Catherine's late but the show is the show is beginning
3: i've been and gone
1: late okay all right okay you're gonna sit over there tonight are you yes late night alternative um my uvula is huge today boasting it is huge. I've never... Honestly, I woke up this morning and I coughed and something felt wrong. And I went to the mirror and looked and my uvula I can make set on my tongue. This is this is true. This is... You know, the uvula is the little boxing punching bag at the back of the throat. It, it's swollen and it can... I can... if I I won't do it now, but I, I will do it at some point. You're going to see it.
3: It's his favourite thing today, if so I, you're going to see it. If I go... It.
1: It sits on the back of my tongue. It goes up and don't,
3: sits. Well, don't go then. Well,
1: I'm, I want people to know that I'm very poorly. And I'm, yeah, I'm But still, you don't like to talk about I it. I do like to talk about <laughs> it. I'm being a very brave soldier. <laughs>
3: Um, Robin
2: Ince is here, good evening Hello, Robbie. Let's. We're gonna... I've had that before With the Ouvuvula Yeah, have it's, you? Uh, Yeah, it's normally during the Edinburgh Fringe Festival And uh, you have that night where you think I've got to swallow whatever's stuck in my throat And no, then no. you realise you've actually been trying to swallow your own throat <laughs> And then you go to uh, a high street chemist And they always have a say. Se- they go, well we do have something under the counter And they bring up this incredible drink that's made of kind of vinegar wow. And honey And it's disgusting And it's disgusting enough for you psychosomatically to think well, It must have cured me in some way it um
1: they have medicines under the counter.
2: Well it's just like medicines that are so unglamorous. Right, medicines okay. that are so much a 17th century apothecary yeah. with all manner of spiders legs hanging in them and yeah. they think best to keep that hidden. I don't want to by the
1: way I've got this coffee's got um coconut milk oh, in. Oh,
3: I've got yours in. There we go.
1: This is this is a terrible so I I don't want to sound racist but oh god those chinese herbalists what is what is that about? I went to one once. Thank you. I went to one once when I was at, at university because I had a, a this kind of mark on my face that that came about because I had quite sensitive skin on my face. And when I was working at Bee Jams, um, the young lad who was working there squirted B-jams. me. Bee the... Jams. Oh, man. Can I
2: just say that you might as well, between Bee Jams and Rumbelows, yeah. you've created a priestian sense of delight yeah, for me there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I got my BBC micro from Rumbelows. But he squirted me in the face with Jif and it set up a chain reaction. Stop. Hello?
3: Jif lemon or Jif for the toilet?
1: Jif uh, lemon. Oh. And anyway, so for years I had like a big red mark there that would sometimes postulate. And at university I was kind of into, I was into crystals. I went on a crystal healing course, which I've mentioned before. i That <laughs> was true. And I thought, well, I'm going to go and try the Chinese... Herbalists and I went in. I said, "Look, I, I don't suppose you can cure this." And they said, oh, "We can cure anything. We can cure anything." I said, "Well, I've got this," and and she looked at it and she went, "Right, I know exactly what you need. Basically, a load of old leaves and bark and stuff." And I had to boil it up every day and drink it every day. And she said, "Within two weeks, that is going to be gone." And of course, a month of drinking this, and it was still
3: still there. Uh, did you take that up with her? or
1: I didn't go back. Yeah. I didn't,
3: That's why she thinks yeah. she's curing everyone.
1: <laughs> they refuse to go back. I didn't go back. But they're allowed they're allowed. They're allowed to set up in the high street. There was one in Windsor High Street I noticed today. That's not why have we not Why have we not arrested these charlatans?
3: Because no one goes back.
1: Okay,
2: alright. What you
1: need by the way problem. the next time you
2: get a gif injury yeah. is you need to take a homeopathic amount of pancake and uh, <laughs> that will actually cure you. Now, Robin Ince is here.
1: Robin is, is, has got a book, I'm a Joke and So Are You. And my um, six, he's nearly seven, my seven, nearly seven-year-old youngest son, who I only found out last night, thinks that a screen is called a scream. We are talking about that. He said, look at the TV scream. I said, I beg your pardon? The TV scream, look at that. And I said, oi. Um, he, tit- he thought the title of this book was hilarious. Good. He saw it in my car and he was in hysterics. I'm a Joke and So Are You. And he just... Absolutely wetting himself with laughter,
2: so the nearly seven year old market Robin cornered it as long as it. they don't open it in the don't. shop, as long as they buy it at the point of cover, everything is absolutely fine. or if
1: you can somehow get it so it opens at the page with Nina Conti and Monkey, then oh that yeah, was, that, that was would a lot it. of fun. She's brilliant, isn't she? Yeah, Mira it Conte. was... I've not seen her for years and years. She was always one of my favourite
2: turns. Well, she just... It gets better and better, and it's such a... If, if, I'm sure you've seen I don't know if you've seen Just this... The routine where, basically, she's got Monkey, her... her, her and then she removes Monkey, but yeah. she keeps being a ventriloquist just with a hand, and then the hand drops down, and she's still being a ventriloquist, and then she opens her mouth, and out comes the yeah. voice of Monkey. And that, to me, is up there with uh, watching Dead of Night or any of those portmanteau things, where, <laughs> I'm a ventriloquist, and he's lad. Yeah. he's alive oh don't be so silly he <laughs> did the murder not me it really did feel like that moment
1: what was that um, what's the uh, Anthony Hopkins
2: magic uh, magic where
1: um, he's an old he's an old boozer I'm not I watched that when I was 11 when when we first got our, our video recorder, it must have been 9 or 10 and we were allowed to tape anything. We, and uh, Magic for a nine-year-old boy is kind of a heavy. Have you seen it? I don't think so. It, it, it's, it's great. I don't know if it would stand the test of time, but he plays like a boozy old ventriloquist and his dummy comes to life, tries to kill him, but is it his dummy coming to life? Is it him who's doing it? Is it actual magic? I can't remember the mm.
2: twist of it, but it was for a nine-year-old. That was heavy. Yes. It was one of the only three films that our generation could watch. It was uh, Magic, yes. uh, The Wild Geese, and The Medusa Touch. <laughs> they were the three films that were always somehow available.
1: When you went into video, kids these days with their YouTubes and their Netflix, you can get anything, and your t- torrents, you can get anything. We would go in, you're right, we'd go into a video store. I mean, you were lucky to have three because I'm guessing you have VHS. We had Betamax.
2: No, of course we have Betamax. My dad thought it was the future. There we go, posh. Well, posh.
1: It, it should up. have been. The quality <laughs>
3: was superior. Oh, the quality was great. This is the thing, thank you. They just didn't make decent porn on it. That's no, the problem.
2: See, even into the 90s, you would still hear a parent saying, I mean, the thing that's so ridiculous <laughs> is it really, the tape doesn't go through as many spools. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I
1: used to love it. Um, so what, I'm only halfway through your book and the look of disappointment on your face... When I, can't, I, I, was struggling to, I was struggling to read a Carly Simon book that I found quite hard. We've got Jeff Goldblum tomorrow. I,
2: I, you've kind of fallen between two stools, Robin. I love the fact that this Carly Simon book is worse than when I tried to read Bertrand Russell's History of Western Philosophy. So many big words. I phenomenology. Couldn't get through it. What's going on? I
1: couldn't get through it. I felt so sorry for her. I had to keep putting it down. Very sad story, the Carly Simon story. Used, basically. Mm. Used by men. For their for their sexual pleasures and gratifications, basically.
2: Oh, a, a book I'd recommend, quite an old book now. Simon Garfield, who wrote The Wrestling and has written many other yes. interesting documentary books. I think his first one's called Expensive Habits. And each chapter is about how people in the music industry are ripped off, how the artist is oh. ripped off. And then the final section of the book, which is an enormous section, is basically all about Hazel O'Connor. Oh. And it turns out every single She way, did all the ripping off. All, all the different. All the, <laughs> Was that a- all the different ways of being ripped off she had done to her. It's really, horrible. and it is like you say. There's certain oh, books no. you read it, and then you go, "I need to just stop now because yeah. there's just a general sadness." Yeah, uh, we've got a phone. Call. Oh, by the way,
1: so Robins here. We are to talk about the book. We'll talk about, um, well, we'll talk about the fact that two days ago it was the twentieth anniversary of the eleven o'clock show. Mm. Wowzers! Uh, what, what did you do to celebrate?
2: Uh, I played uh, Crick Howley, a small village in Wales. Oh, there you go. Okay, well, I, I made, they didn't have it because of S4C, so uh, it was fine. I, I made vaguely
1: racist and homophobic slurs to random people in the street, and it was great. It was great times. Um, <laughs>
2: at oh, the Elephant Castle Shopping Centre, yeah.
1: Well, no, well, that's is that they're knocking that down, and I just think is it because of you. I think um, I remember once going there, and uh, well, we used to go there all the time because you got. You got people that couldn't speak English and mental people. That was that was it. I mean, basically. That was it. That's what we went there for. And um
3: Well, our former colleague at Three Counties would call a Voxface.
1: There we go, Voxface, yes, very much likely. a Voxface. And um a security guard came out one day and he uh, and we said, Well, it was, it's not a problem. We're we're outside the shopping centre. We said, No, 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 you, you're allowed to do it. It's just Well, we've been this has been going on for months and we didn't know how to say this, but I've got to come out and say it. Your um microphone is interfering with the bingo. <laughs> And we're hearing a lot of what you're saying. And some of it's just a little bit too fruity <laughs> for the old people. Some people are getting offended. So I just wonder, can you change the frequency? Gosh, and... and those
3: are people who've been through the war. Yeah,
2: yeah. Terrible.
3: I can't believe it.
2: So there was a godlike intervention <laughs> that told you you had a calling to be a bingo caller. <laughs> yeah. And nevertheless, you ignored it. Is that what it was? Well, this is kind of bingo calling.
1: 0344 oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. You know the rules. You can phone in and talk to Robin about whatever you want. Or you can just phone in, and you know we have a phone call. I don't know if it's for us. Put your headphones on. It's um, uh, it's David. Hello, David.
0: To find out if it's right for you,
3: uh, yeah, I was, uh, you
1: were talking about uvala's, weren't you? I've had mine out. You've had your uvala
0: out? Yeah, they took it out because I had sleep apnea and um, it, they thought it was making me choke at night, but that wasn't the issue. No. Oh, um, McDonald's was the issue on a serious note, but. No, I mean, they took it a, out. On a
1: serious note, the tonsils. But the is just a bit of fun. So, But, but uh, hang on, but why did they take it out? Did it swell to an enormous size? Well, they thought it was making
0: me uh, throat block up. and uh, Wow. What is it for? I used to wake up choking. Oh, and This is serious stuff. I could have been dead, but... Wow, gosh, well, we're lucky to have
1: you here with us and this evening.
3: Thankful. It, yeah, and, and when they took it out, I said, can I have it?
1: And they said no, we've got to throw it in
3: the incinerator. This, this is
1: the thing. This is the thing that gets me. Like... When you have a bit of—I don't know if you've ever had an operation and had bits of your body removed, Robin. You're not allowed to ask. We can ask, but they won't give but you the bits on. back.
3: If you chop your neighbour's bush, you've got to throw it back, Sorry? But they can pull. Things out of you and not give it back to you.
2: Oh, if a neighbour does an operation on you, then, then uh, you does have to be thrown back. But <laughs> if anyone in the medical profession does, then they've got a totally different
1: yeah. set of rules. Yeah. They've, they've, got to, they've got to chuck your testes or your oodler <laughs> over the over the yeah. over the fence into if your garden. Hanging
3: over, then that's what's got to happen. And how bone. um how
1: did how was your life different since losing that, David?
3: Well, you know, like you you
0: sort of oh, you you could like oh.
1: Well, you can't finish a sentence, it would appear. I don't know if that's a direct you, result.
0: You, 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 you can, like, breathe out in a certain way and you can move it, can't you? You, you know, and it flaps around and I can't flap it around anymore because okay. it's not there.
1: Well, David, thank you very much indeed. It's a beautiful image. Uh, someone has, t- has texted me, tweeted me, that uh, Lizzie says you can get uvula, uvula p- ov- mm. piercings. You can get Why? them pierced.
3: Why? Why? Why?
1: Wow. <laughs> that's
2: prompted a reaction.
3: Who's was... going to see it?
2: Um, your dentist, your lover, even as a kind of if it, if it was meant to enhance some form of kissing, then you have to find no. the length of tongue that's correct. No, this doesn't. It can work only out be for the
1: pleasure of Gene Simmons if he's if you're kissing <laughs> him
2: or a cow. It can't be.
1: It can't be. And we're going to it. It can't be for oral well. pleasure, can it? Because a lot of these piercings in the tongue and in the genitals are for are for, for pleasure during sex to increase stimulation. Uh, the tongue is supposed to be—I've never experienced it. But a pierced tongue is supposed to be incredible for um, oral sex on either a man or a woman. But that's that's too far back. I mean, that is um, what uh, Lizzie. I mean, I'm assuming you've got it done because you've tweeted me, you, you, and you look the sort from your avatar. Let us know why. Let us know why um, why you did it.
3: Who thinks of these things? Where they look at that perverts. wobbling about and go, oh, "I could <laughs> jazz this it's up." Perverts.
1: It's perverts. Do you
3: remember, we had um, what, three
1: counties where we met. This guy, this caller came in one day. Oh God! And he went, oh, I've got, I've got my balls pierced. Oh, that's great. And then he just stood up and whopped them out, and just you know, just very close. I'm offering. So very close with his his pierced testicles out why
3: would you yeah, display for, that thanks for making me leave the room for that by the way I'm very grateful
2: um, we'll talk about we will talk about the book in a second oh and you've got the none of for... those things are in the book by the way if anyone has now been turned off the idea of the book no, there are neither illustrations nor paragraphs
1: there's always a second edition but I'm, I'm prepared to doodle in mine and when I finish give it away um, 0344 4991000. Um, this is the late night alternative on talk radio talk
0: radio
2: listen phone talk
0: talk radio we'll get you
2: talking
0: Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio.
1: Um, Ian Lee, Catherine Boyle, we're joined by Robin Ince. Um, oh, I guess I guess we've worked together on and off, mainly off, but on and off uh-huh. for, well, for about 20, 20 yeah, years. Be. Were you there at the beginning of the 11 o'clock show? When did you...?
2: No, I was uh, halfway through series, or oh, beginning of series two. Uh, I started to do uh, John Peele meeting... Oh, Paul Potton doing a disco for him and things like that, and uh, it was rather fun. One of the most
1: uncomfortable experiences of of many on the eleven o'clock show was remember the Christmas special we did. Oh, it was it, Frank Carson. Was Frank Carson? Yeah, Frank yes. Carson was and on that. James were playing. They had yep. a band. It was, and we suddenly, for some reason, we all moved into the bigger studio. Oh, so normally we're in the small yeah. studio of maybe 200, 150, and then we're in a bigger studio that held like five, six hundred. It was massive, and this, it was the same. It was like when they do a movie version of a TV show where the set looks the same, but it's not quite right. And it was the same with this. The set just felt bigger. And I remember, I think it was, was it you doing John Peel and Alex Lowe doing Jimmy Savile? That's
2: right, yeah. Wow. What I combo. don't think that's available on YouTube
1: I anymore. Think is, <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> I think it is, actually. Um, oh, my God. I think it is. And but, but but your microphones died. Yeah. So the audience couldn't hear any any of it. But I guess it was Dom English, the producers, going, Now carry on, we'll, we'll, we'll just dub the laughter in later. And so it was like, it was a long old sketch. It was like five, six minutes long. Wow. And nobody in the studio could hear anything. Zero laughter. Fair play to you too. You just both just kept carrying on like the couple of old pros that you are. Yeah. Of course, Alex Lowe came off afterwards, going, "Oh God, I was
2: awful. I was terrible." You had to. Oh, I hope you. Kenneth Branagh wasn't watching that. <laughs> Bloody hell! I haven't had a decent part for him since I played the woodsman in Peter's Friends. Um, <laughs> but that was that was such an uncomfortable. The whole thing was bizarre, because also I was doing the warm-up on it, because I used to do the warm-up on the show, course. having presumed it was 156. They went, oh, you we can still do the John Peel. Now, that would have worked in a 150-seater, a man in a beard and flares, dressed like <laughs> that. But then trying to engage 600... Yeah, it was yeah. very... And then Frank Carson just didn't stop. I mean, Frank Carson was Frank Carson. Yeah. If you invite Frank Carson, you don't expect to have kind of Samuel Beckett-style pauses and silences. It's just... Boom, relentless, boom, yeah. Boom. yeah.
1: It was strange. a very
2: strange and relentless show.
1: It's a very strange experience. Um... Let's let's speak to Alan. Then we're going to talk about the book. I'm a joke, and so are you. I've tweeted the links to it, and I'll tweet them out again. And if there are specific links where you get more bang for your buck, Robin, then let me know. No,
2: it's. I mean, you know, if if people can, it's nice if people do. You know, kind of independent things, more independent things. Yeah. But any anyway, it'll make no difference to me. I just hope people read it. I tell you what we'll do: we'll,
1: we'll check that the big green bookshop. they are our independent. Of oh, choice. I will
2: be. Uh, I'm doing a show for them in December. I think.
1: Oh, brilliant! Yeah. All right, then we'll, we'll we'll make we'll find the link on their website because they are um, our independent bookshop of choice. We like them. They do a lot of good work. It's a cool shop. But um, Alan Caddick's on the line. Good evening, Alan.
0: Hi, man. Hello,
1: Alan. How are you? Hi, man.
0: i got another 10-hour death announcement. I'm
1: going to, who's, Alan phones us up to tell, to tell us who's, who's died. He's quite, a
3: not-so-grim reaper. He yeah, loves it.
1: Quite often, quite in sensitive ways, but not deliberately. Um, but who who who's passed away now? Flog it. Sorry? The programme Flog it. Oh, it well, okay. Um, I, I like Flog It. I like the guy that presents it. You wear
2: a Flog it? Yeah, I think I've seen it a bit. But was that one of those kind of five in the afternoon yeah. things? Yeah. Well, because they're having
1: a big revamp of daytime television. Apparently, is is the they thing. They Better
3: not mess with four in a bed.
1: Well, no, this is the BBC. <laughs> this is the BBC. So four Good. in a bed is gonna. But by the way, tell Robin, he'll be impressed. How many four in a beds have you got um, <laughs> series linked on your box? Turns
3: out about one hundred and sixty. Whoa! Yeah. That's wow. insane, Isn't it? I'm gonna have to take some time off to watch them. <laughs>
1: Um, that's that's sad, Alan. You must be very upset by that.
0: Yeah, because I didn't know it was going for seventeen years.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Well, it it, it certainly has. Um, what are you going to do now that it's going? What's
0: uh, more pointless?
2: Okay, there you go. Well, that's that's that sorted. <laughs> oh, then, I'm Alan. glad he mentioned pointless. All I want to say is I'm much better than Jim clearly on that. Well, hang on. Did you did you go on Pointless? Yep. Did you win? Uh, yep and it is, and I had to keep it secret I I took it seriously yeah. don't say don't, and then they didn't put the episode out for about 18 months they it sit was on me it ranges, and Kate they? Williams against uh, John Cooper Clark this in the Dr John Cooper Clark wow and I remember thinking oh I won't take it seriously, but I just hope I'm not embarrassed, uh, yeah. you know. And then by round two, you go, we better win this, yeah. Kate. Okay. And Kate was like, yeah. And, and you could see Zander Armstrong getting rid because he was like, come on, hurry up, people. I've got a big dinner to go to. <laughs> yeah. Some Tory MPs You've and stuff. Hurry and up, hurry up. No, you do not hurry us up. You're asking us about the lowest exporting coffee-growing nations, and we're going to think this through because yeah. we want a little bit of perspex. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, non-Equatorial Guinea is a good answer, <laughs> And did you did you win the grand prize as well or did you just get to the final? no 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 we did we had a pointless answer
1: but you, what in the last round yeah because no, oh. I didn't I, I, I was doing it with Cheggers oh. and I, we didn't but we got those lovely little trophies that now, is now I think it's in my garage in a
2: plastic box I'm not totally sure I might give it to the boys it's such an interesting because that bit we go now hang on a minute Now I myself would think Sid Barrett would be quite a popular answer but yeah. now hang on a minute let me go into the minds of the, yeah, that yeah, whole yeah, thing Yeah. yeah. Oh, I enjoyed, and
1: I hadn't really I was aware of it and I'd seen bits of it Alan, sorry. Could you breathe a little? So I just had an idea of a topic. That's okay. Well, hang on. Like,
3: just breathe. Hold on to that idea. We're, we're, sharing, we're
1: sharing pointless stories, so just just hold your breath if you can, or breathe softly, my love. Okay. I was aware of it, but I wasn't completely aware of it, you know. And and I did it because they, they, they paid me a grand, you know. Would you do it? I said, yeah, of course
2: I do. Fantastic, right On. Oh.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh,
2: great! Now this is great. a level of animosity <laughs> sorry, in the studio. <laughs>
1: And I did it, and I was the first person to answer a question. And before he asked me the question, I said, "Alexander, can you can you just remind me what I'm here, what I'm supposed to do again?" It was a genuine thing. First answer, and I wasn't bothered. First answer, pointless. Suddenly I was in. Suddenly I was hooked. The show had its claws in me, and I was hooked. And when we um, when we beat Rav from Crime Watch and um, Michelle Heaton from Liberty X, what a what a day! And, and Anthony Costa <laughs> from Blue, and we destroyed those suckers.
3: But then there was that small incident.
1: Oh well, I was accused of, of, of being a racist. Yes, there was. There was. There was <laughs> I was accused of being a racist, and that was, which you know, I, I I was watching the show with my boys, and then we went and had dinner, and I, and I thought, right, well, the show's finished. I'll check online just to see people saying nice things about me, and then there's Daily Express, Ian Lee, and racist slur and pointless. The Metro, Ian Lee is a is a racist, and it, what it was. We had to do bands from, um, pointless bands that had won Brit Awards in certain years. 1997, there were two girls in a shop, right? And I said, corner shop. Would have been around about the right time, okay? They were were Asian-looking girls, and if you look closer, they were stood next to Spices. It was the Spice Girls. But then it became out that I was...
2: A massive racist because of that. What's your judgement well, And I'm just impressed by how long you managed to keep it in. That's the main thing. I think the, uh, you know the truth. It's still,
3: it? a grand. You got a grand?
2: Got a grand.
1: Um, oh. Shut up,
3: shut up. I can't believe it. <laughs> Tokens.
1: Yes. Tokens again. Yes, Alan.
3: Oh, I've got an idea of a topic.
1: Talking about the pointless trophy. Oh, yeah. What games, What was your favourite game's uh, memento? Well, What's yours? A ceramic dusty bin. Oh, I had one oh. of them. Well, did you win one?
0: I actually made one.
1: <laughs> that's brilliant. How did you make it?
0: In school.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's explained so much, Alan. Have you got? Could you send us a photo of it?
0: Yes, I can. Uh, I'll, I'll dot IanLee.com.
1: In, Thank you very much, Alan I look forward to seeing your
2: homemade Dusty Bim. Oh, I can tell you when I work with Ted Rogers as well. Oh, go on. Yeah, musical, Wimbledon Theatre. Ted Rogers, Sue Pollard, Freddie Parrot, Face Davis. Fantastic. I remember another comedian saying to me, Why are you doing that? I said, Let me repeat. Ted Rogers, Sue Pollard, Freddie Parrot, Face Davis. It that's, was fascinating. That's
1: inc- what musical was it, it? It
2: was called That Showbiz. It was written by Jimmy Perry. Uh, wow. And I met him on some daytime TV show, and it was fascinating because what happened was I turned up and everyone was a little bit worried because they We were going, oh, there's an alternative alternative coming. There's an alternative. I hadn't slept very well. And uh, they went, Okay, let's do the first dance routine. Uh, Come on, Robin. And I went, oh oh, I don't dance. And of course, Jimmy Perry hadn't realised that the modern comedian is very short on skills. Yeah. Whereas, of course, the old style comedian, they can sing, they do can everything. dance, they do the whole thing. And uh, well, anyway, by the end of the morning, I'd been taken out of five of the dance routines. And uh, every night at the end of the show, when we'd sing Dirty Old Car Mix, Fighting for Laughs, I could hear Carmen Silvera tutting as I was yet again out of time. <laughs> I've had an interesting career wow. at times. When was, when was that? 1997. Okay. And it was great. It was such a... Fa- working with... Because I, I still love all of that kind of old world. Yeah. Well. I spend a lot of time on YouTube watching footage of the Grumbleweeds, in yeah. particular Morris and Robin. Like in in you know when they just became a double act, there's such lovely timing. There's yeah. such a kind of joy. And now you know Robin Colville does it with uh, another guy who's come in. And he swapped roles as opposed to being the straight man. He's oh. now the kind of crazy one. Isn't
1: that funny? And,
2: and I, I'm addicted to those things. It's like th- I remember Matt Lucas saying to me once he goes, I've got a weird thing. Said, um, people find me so strange, but I, I love watching just old episodes of 321. I went, there's nothing bizarre no, I love about that at all. They used to no. show them
1: on Challenge TV a lot. Yeah. And, and I'd, I'd watch it. I could watch two or three back to back. Did you see that brilliant series they did on ITV, Last Laugh in Vegas, where they took Sue Pollard, Cannon and Ball, Bobby Crush. And a couple
2: of others. Mick Miller? Mick Nick Miller. Miller. Yeah. To last. Did
1: you say And any Jess of Conrad.
2: Jess Conrad. <laughs> Jess Conrad is a mate. Because I, I, last time I went to see Panto was at the Ellsbury. You'd say site. Jess
1: Conrad is a mate of yours.
2: No, no, no. He's amazing. Oh, it, I it, think in because I think for our generation, I saw him in uh, Joseph and the Technicolor Anita Dreamcoat, well, and he? Yeah. Uh, he must have been about 50 then already. Yeah. Uh, but w- when I went to see Panto, and uh, there was a bit, I think uh, Anita Dobson was in it. Yeah. And, uh, and then when, when Buttons comes out, and he goes, and we've got some celebrities in the audience, ladies and gentlemen, he's the king of showbiz, Jess Conrad. Wow. And Jess stands up and goes, hey, like that. But of course, for a lot of generations. Yeah. Just Comrade is—he's in a weird, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a fascinating career. Oh, I don't know that much about him, but I love the fact that even at this age,
1: he still plays the role of the huge star. That—that that, I don't know whether it's put on or it's now him, but that kind of that slight arrogance, that uh-huh. looking down his nose at everyone. He's still else. a
3: boat, isn't he? Oh, he's, you know, he's not like eighty-three or yeah.
1: something, isn't it? He? And, and he always—he mentions the Botox and everything, yeah. doesn't he? But what we love that, and we celebrate on this show a lot. Um, kind of the older comedians, we've had Tommy Cannon on and Eddie Large and uh, and, and Bernie Clifton, you know, all of that, we kind of oh, celebrate. Bernie
2: Clifton is, oh, he's nuts, but he's Isn't absolutely, he yeah, he's, he's brilliant yeah. and I think hugely underrated. Yeah. I think if you watch what Bernie Clifton does, I remember when he did his thing, sometimes he used to do this bit where he'd sing, you gotta have tape, you've got, and he wanders around the audience basically with a tape dispenser, a kind of, you know, parcel packing tape dispenser and then till they're all entangled up. and then he just goes, oh, I don't really know how to, Finish this. I don't know how to get anyone out. You know, and it, so everyone just is just. And I remember someone saying about he has these huge inflatables and there's lots of like big gondolas yeah. and, and an inflatable nun. And I think it was at Bristol Colston. Bristol Colston Hall. I was doing something with him there. And uh, someone said uh, said so that at right at the end, uh, Bernie. We have to. Make, we're going to make all the doors open so you can get the huge inflatable nun on stage. Blah, 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 and they've got everything set up and every single but they're all there. And he just forgot to do it. And there's just <laughs> someone waiting with an inflatable nun and everyone. And it's just. Yeah, he's he's magnificent. <laughs> and those people are... And
1: we, we started kind of getting them on the show after... Um, what year was it that everyone died? It's 2016. 2016. <laughs> when everyone died and, you know, people would die. And then the next day they go, oh, we love them so much. Mm. And we kind of thought, well, let's get them on now and tell them that we love them now. And what was great watching that show, particularly with Cannon and Ball, just their years of, of training their timing was incredible mm. you know they could read each other They could. There, there was a bit where they just had to they were in a rehearsal room and they're playing music and to loosen them up everyone has to one at a time just dance across to the other side of the room and uh, Bobby Ball was the last one and he starts moonwalking and it was brilliant
2: yeah. and he, he moonwalked brilliantly
1: and it was just hilarious because it came from nowhere
2: uh, my favourite is uh, in one of the shows where they sing Sometimes When We Touch Mm. and it they it's almost like only at the final rehearsal did they go hang on Tommy I've just looked at the lyrical content of this and, and it doesn't kind of match up with what and their chairs are so far apart that they barely fit on the TV screen it's just uh, uh, I still have I have the seven inch single of We Are The Boys In Blue right. which I got sent by the Ranked Film Distributors because when I was a kid I used to write to Ranked Film Distributors about once every three months pretending I was doing a project about films thinking they'd send me posters for <laughs> Lewis Collins Who Dares wins and the Wild Geese and they just sent me increasingly <laughs> large posters for Cannonball's Boy Boys in Blue, yeah. till eventually I had one which was like 60 inches by 40 inches, <laughs> wow. and the final time, they also sent me the seven-inch single as if to go, we know what you're doing, <laughs> you're not going to get any Lewis Collins merchandise, mate.
3: You said there's another one, it's going to be a billboard. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, the book, which might, Oh, yeah. The, Robin Ince, I'm a Joke and So Are You, which seven-year-olds find that title hilarious, a comedian's take on what makes us human, got Matt Haig's name on the front, friend of the show, Stuart Lee's name on the front, so you've got two big names on the front. What's it about? I've not read it. Uh,
2: basically, <laughs> it's about... Uh, well, the idea is it, it originally started from uh, a, just over four years ago. Yeah. I was doing uh, a, a, an Edinburgh event. It was it was a, a night called uh, Cheap Than Therapy. And it was about... It was basically to raise money for Mind. And it was... Uh, uh, each, each night, different comics would come along and they'd either talk about their actual therapy or how comedy is therapy or whatever it is. a standard yeah. routine. And the night I was doing it, I was doing it with a guy called Eddie Peppertone, who was a brilliant American comedian. And in the interval before eddie and me then did a kind of sit down chat about comedy everyone turned on their phone and i just saw the whole room just people kind of went oh and said oh what's happened i didn't have a, a phone with it and they said oh, do you not know it's robin williams and it was we were doing it wow. on the night that, that robin williams had, wow. had killed himself and so we we still did the, and, and eddie had kind of known him they weren't friends but they were on friendly terms yeah they worked together um, then the next day, there were all of these articles in the press that just seemed to be tears of a funny man, another tragic clown stuff, yeah. and and I thought these are. First of all, it belittles what happened. Just ah, oh, well, of course he was a clown, he's a comedian. This is bound to happen, and, and it also it didn't take into as a in fact very few people knew at the point. But Robin Williams also had very serious illness, and there were many other. We, yeah, we yeah. have no idea. Yeah. I mean, that would be. And so I started thinking around that point, which is there are so many cliches about comedians and this idea of of, of the otherness of them. Mm. And actually, what I think is interesting, having done it for for nearly thirty years now, is that when you go on stage, you become an exaggerated version of yourself, right? So that that is not everyone does, but a lot of the people I work with, you mm. know. Josie and Stuart, Josie long and Stuart lee and people like that you know you go on and you're just, just not start the exaggerated version yourself and so actually rather than comedians being different if you look at the exaggerated version mm. and you work backwards how much do you find out about all humans so i i kind of the book is about and i talked to neuroscientists and psychologists and uh geneticists and lots of comedians as well people like noel fielding and uh, and sarah kendall and i talked to alan moore as well um just trying to work out on each chapter some of it's about social anxiety some of it's about imagination some of it's about inner voices mm. some of it's about why we become who we become mm. I mean because again with comedians there's always that narrative people love that narrative the ah uh, the, the, uh, well of course something terrible happened in their childhood yeah um, but again of course there's an enormous number of people who something happened some loss or whatever it might be who don't become comedians but it does by using that as the starting model is to try and work out you know why are we the human beings we are and then how do we cope? Because yeah. I think, you know, for stand-up is its a really fun coping mechanism. I mean, it can still drive you insane. And I know a lot of stand-ups will go, I think this is the thing that's actually got me through. Or is it the thing that drove me mad? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So it's kind of looking at those... Stand-ups
1: and- are... We- I mean, I did it briefly, and I was never considered myself a stand-up. It was always a means to an end for me. But it's a weird thing to do, isn't it? To, to mm. say, right, I'm going to stand uh, in front of, you know, a complete room full of strangers and talk for 10, 20, 45 mm. an hour... And with the the intention, the main intention of making them laugh, it's a very um, it's not the t- toughest job in the world. And people that say that I think are wrong, but it's a very strange exposure to to yeah. to, to, to you know just to to
2: expose yourself like that and put that much pressure on you. In, Yet yeah, in another way. I was talking about this actually with Josie Long this evening in a book event, which is, it's the easiest part of the day. Okay, go on. Because you go on stage and you know you have yeah we all have dud gigs and bad nights, but overall, you have. An hour and a half or two hours where you're controlling the situation to some mm. extent. This is me. And you know what way they're looking directly at you. You're looking at them. You are you are controlling. Whereas the moment you walk out in the street, there's people over there and there's people mm. over there. And are they looking and going, who's that weird bloke over there And that rubbish cardigan? Who's, yeah. So it's this... For a lot of people I know, it's actually... It's like the happiest bit of the day. After the worry is then you're going, look, I'm being ridiculous and I'm larking about. And... Um, and I th- so I think that's you know I, I know a few people who said yeah the, the bit on stage is easy it's the other twenty two hours what which was, is a nightmare. What was your first? Because we've worked together, I don't actually know that much about you, Rob. What was your first gig? When did we, what was the what made you think? You yeah, know I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a go. How did that happen? Well, it was I mean the first thing was just when I uh, once I saw I mean I've always had things like Laurel and Hardy and the goodies, and then I saw Alexi Sale on OTT, the kind mm. of adult version of Tiz was you know which was such a naughty show OTT, to watch. OTT yes, gosh. You know where you'd have Alexei sell and bernard manning on the show you know it was kind of <laughs> at that wow, point yeah. and, and then you know rick Mail before that with kevin turvey yeah. and i just went this is the most brilliant thing in the world so i had a real and then i tried it when i was about 18 i did some terrible gig and then probably you know i i started probably in about 1992 mm-hmm. so i was uh but i always i knew i just really wanted to do it and it is a thing that can drive you mad but it is yeah it's just a I think I, I said to you before, that there's at the moment in the book talk, one of my favourite things is when, when I talk a little bit about people who influence me, and one night I thought, ah, oh, it's a bit of a quiet night tonight, so I, bet so I just suddenly sang a Lexi Wine Bar song, and to leap around on the stage, pretend to be Lexi Sell, basically you just go, this Wine Bar's aren't Wine Bar's because of all the people dining. Wine Bar's <laughs> aren't called Wine Bar's because of all the people whining. Ever had a multiple orgasm? Yes, it made me sick. I loved, loved a hamster bird, I killed it with a brick. Rumpty toodle, pina colada, half a, a pound <laughs> of Buesley. What do you think of Shirley Williams? I want to go to the toilet. So doing something like that. <laughs> that is an, an amazing impression having... of Alexi Sale. <laughs> That's there was There was a weird, because I, I don't think I mentioned it in the book, but again, about the kind of difficulty sometimes of uh, when you become a comedian, you can, you know, it's not always easy for the, the partner. And, uh, and yeah. with Alexi, years ago, I got, to, I got to know him about, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And I said, would you come and do a gig with me? I'm doing this gig with an epidemiologist and a bluegrass band. And I think we need, you know, an author as well. And he went, I don't really do stand-up. I said, well, you don't have to do stand-up. Um, We just have a conversation. You can do what you do at book things or whatever. And uh, so... Alex came along, rode on his bicycle to Dalston, and uh, and we stood on stage together and did a bit of stuff. And then I rang him up about four weeks later. I said, oh, there's a gig to try and help a library that's they're trying to close down in Kensal Green. Do you want to come do that? And he just, the first thing he went, Linda hates you. <laughs> and uh, Linda's his wife. I went, I've not even met Linda. He went, yeah, she hates you. You're trying to get me back being a stand-up. And then he said this thing. He said, Linda said, what are you thinking Alexi? You were number 15 in the top 100 stand-ups of all time. Don't go back. You'll dilute the legacy. <laughs> And then that night he went on stage and he was just being all charming and, you know, doing the kind of talks. And then suddenly someone at the back shouted out, oh you know, just one of those drunken moments yeah. of excitement where someone's had a flashback to the comic strip in 1981. And suddenly Alexis just leapt up in the air and he just started going, that's right, that's right, Alexis here. <laughs> and I just looked at his wife, Linda, and she just put her head in her hands and you could just see her going, oh, God, the comic's alive again <laughs> for 15 years. I've had a, an author. Uh, you know, elevated author. The drug addict fine picked lines, up uh, some
1: coke and has gone back. In. <laughs> yeah. I used to use that library in Kensal Green. Is it, did they close it down in the end? Uh, if
2: it's the one I think, it's, it's the one that Mark Twain visited. And, yeah, and yeah. I think now they tried to. And I, I heard from someone the other day that there's volunteers there keeping it going. Oh, good. I like that. Um, you,
1: you mentioned Madness. There is a great... I have read bit, uh, half the book. There, there's a great bit. I have. I, honestly, this Carly Simon book was a nightmare. There's a great bit in there about the voices in our heads that mm. I guess we all... Have to a certain extent, don't we? But you're suggesting that, some, well, you're saying that some people are able to use the voices in their heads as a creative tool. You do to a
2: certain yeah, extent. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing: is to make try and make them as as unintrusive and unobstructive as possible. There's Charles Furnahoff, who who I spoke to, who's written some some wonderful books, including one all about how they're doing research into in, inner voices. And he, he talked to me about things like Pat Barker, the author of Ghost Road and uh, and Regeneration, amongst others. Apparently, she basically just sits there and waits for her characters to walk into her head. And she she doesn't control them at all. She just listens to them wow. and thinks, oh, good, Siegfried Soon saying lots today. That'll be helpful. <laughs> um, and, and again, all of... I, I think I know that I possess whatever voices I have in my head. But then, when people do have problems, when when it does seem like a uh, something separate, something which is is you know a, a, an unpleasant voice, yeah, what they're starting to do with research in in the way that Nina Conti, of course, you know, has a puppet and you know ventriloquism, you create for that that. I mean, Nina in the book it's very interesting. She basically says that uh, she didn't realise, but the you know if anything, monkey's the honest bit, you know, and it's kind yeah. of um, but. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so what they do is they create avatars. So people sit and they they make a face. They make so they actually oh. physicalize and go right. This now is that voice that I have, and this is what that voice looks like. And now, and that's part of I think a few times in the book that thing that whether you're dealing with bereavement, whether you're dealing with intrusive voices, all the things. One of the things we can do as human beings is turn things into stories, turn them into an object, turn them into something. I mean, I found that when my mum died, and and then the first tour that I did after that. I did a couple of stories. They're quite stupid stories. Quite mm. stupid stories around the time that she. But I think in some ways, what I was doing by being able to turn it into a story, mm. it made it. It was it was something that I could perhaps control more. Um, they do. They do.
1: I know with kids that have been abused, they do a thing where they get them to put a, like a glove puppet on, and and the puppet talks about what happened to save. Mm. You know, so it's to save the kid talking about it did you but you cuz quite quite often my voice my voice is a different it's funny the voices you hear i, I my negative voice not so much now it's kind of worn off a bit but it still comes up my negative voice is someone i went to college with so 25 years ago someone who i really looked up to and thought was very creative and very clever um and was a friend but was also a bit of a bully mm. and he i mean he stopped we kind of stopped hanging out when I got the eleven o'clock show because he thought it was just everything that was wrong with you know with comedy. It was, you know that kind of Chris Morris ripoff. But his is the voice that I hear that says, "Well, that's no good. That's a ter- That's a lousy idea. Why do you think that's going to work?" Uh, have your voices Are they different Have you got people That say different things
2: To they, you? I mean a lot of them I say out loud Right Because I'm around the house Quite a lot on my own so Singing Sweet Caroline of, uh, Yeah Singing Sweet Caroline uh, I was explaining to someone today That sometimes I have the uh, actor Nikki Henson uh, In my What's head Who's Nicky Henson uh, Star of Witchfinder General okay, uh, Psychomania And uh, <laughs> an episode of Faulty Towers And a great And also an RSC actor <laughs> and stuff And he had one of those 1970s voices Where I'm wearing a cravat And I'm in a speedboat And sometimes <laughs> So it actually comes out And I'll just walk around the house, yeah. going. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I think I'm going to have a cup of tea because I'm Nicky Henson. <laughs> so it's kind of. So I, I think a lot of my love of films and 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 media and stuff like that 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 kind of comes into it. But yeah. I, I've never. I mean, you know, I have the inner monologue, which is very judgmental, uh, but. I kind of know it's another fragment of me that's yeah, yeah. just going. You know, that's the interest of, You know, for so many people, with that strange mix of, uh, you know, self-loathing and high regard, mm. which is strange. Clutch. That
3: voice, the critical one, is that the one you're trying to entertain and make laugh. I don't. Th-
2: I, I think it's a separate thing. I think it's. I think it's what I count as my reality. I think mm-hmm. it's. I mean, I was saying to you when I walked into the studio. You know, the, the moment you get a book out, you think, ah. I wonder if it will be uh, ignored or hated, yeah. and you find that you don't have the third voice that goes. It might go really well, yeah. and and so and and I think people have that to a greater or lesser extent, and and part of what you need to try and do, um, and it's part of the thing that I'm kind of it, is is to sometimes just go. It's all right. Shut up. Yeah. It's okay. And that's wow. yeah. and it's a much greater battle. I mean, the, the tour that I'm doing at the moment is called Chaos of Delight. And the whole two hours is just about things that I think are fantastic and delightful and wonderful and possibilities of the future. Mm. And scientific. And by doing that for two hours, it means that on stage I have to be really, and I mean it, and, yeah. it, and I do mean it, if there are things that are really, but then that means four hours of the night because for two hours afterwards I'm still happy in that and so I think but it is harder it's much easier to go on stage and go here's someone else to get really angry about who else is angry about oh, yeah. this thing and that's quite but then it means that you're just extending the anger of the oh, day God.
1: well that's what that's what we try and do with this show it, it, you know it's why we call it the late night alternative because every other show right now is doing Muslims is doing Boris Johnson's mm-hmm. speech is doing Brexit is doing Trump and we kind of thought, well, let's try and make a show that's celebratory. You know, it's why we got you in. We get people in that we like. We don't get every, every person touting a book. We get people in we like. And we kind of celebrate. It doesn't always work. We don't always get it right. But, you know, for three hours a night, we try and celebrate stuff celebrate community and stories and art you know and jeff goldblum to you know i know i'm
2: so envious but it it would be so easy
1: to come on and go ah man that boris johnson what a tosser you know and, and that or whatever but
2: there's enough negativity around anyway. Is well, your... it's become such... It's, it's such a monetized thing oh, now. yeah. You know, the elevation of, of venality and spite, the trends of... And, and I know it's, you know, it, it there's a point... It's, it's, it's also much easier to... If you wander around... People think you're much clever if you... Just, I'll tell you what, what is it about human beings? I went to Westfield Shopping Centre the other day, I looked at them all, they were awful, just like yeah. insects. I saw something in the nail bar. It's very easy to do. Yeah, it's yeah. Like an easy, it to, easy It's like it's harder to... Um, R- write reviews of things you love I and mean, i write as you know I, I, I write a column about radio for the big issue yeah. and i write about you and um, i only write about things that i like because mm. i think there's loads of things out there that i probably won't like but why don't i steer people to hey you might not know about this but sometimes i go oh i've only got 200 words on this because basically what i'm saying is it's really brilliant and it makes <laughs> me feel happy and then you work hard enough and you go oh no i can write yeah, a whole column of this but it's but harder. it's 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 harder uh, we'll take a quick break,
1: 03444991000. This is Talk Radio with Ian Lee, Catherine Boyle and Robin Ince.
2: A star-crossed soapbox for sailor boys, oh. stable girls
3: oh, I'm on the edge.
2: and stripper grands. It
3: depends who you're with and it depends on the situation.
2: Late Night Speech Radio with a difference. Thank you. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio.
1: I'm just saying to to Robin, you seem a lot more relaxed than maybe ten years ago. I've seen you since then, but that's kind of when perhaps I saw you a bit more. You seem a lot more relaxed and chilled out. I think the kids say. Does that
2: fit in with? Yeah, I mean, it's what we were talking about during during that break. There's just, I really do love what I do, and it really, I mean, that's why sometimes you can then hit a bit of a wall because when you get, sometimes I think the worst insomnia I get is when I'm doing a show that I love because it's as if your brain's going, I can find a way of pulling the rug from out of you, but overall yeah i think i'm in a i'm in a very fortunate position where i I get to do really exciting and yeah. bizarre things, and you know you know standing on a stage, standing in Wembley arena. Interrupting Brian Cox after he's confused the audience for 25 minutes and then being on a raised plinth doing an impersonation of Brian Blessed. <laughs> right. And then you go, there's 10,000 people watching me go, shut your face, Brian. Oh, why aren't we going to Mars? Yes, stupid bastard. <laughs> right. Now that, and you go, and you come off stage afterwards and you go, eh... Didn't think I'd get that opportunity in my career. I I, I think last time I saw you was, was the Book Shambles,
1: your podcast mm. that you do with Josie Long. Josie Long is one of the funniest human beings Brilliant. that ever existed. She's just great, and she should we should put her on a throne and carry her around. <laughs> Honestly, I think she's great. I'm in love with her. Um <laughs> and, and, and I'd only and that was maybe a couple of years ago. And I was told- only about a year ago. Was it? Yeah. I'd only recently discovered the infinite monkey cage. And I don't know why, it just passed me by. I'd heard of it, I knew it existed, but I'd never really listened. And I'd started listening to it a little bit before I came in and did bookshambles, and it was—it's so good. It's the it's, most fun to do. It's so good. It's it's funny. It's it's clever. It's intelligent. You learn something and you laugh. Honestly, I thought it was so brilliant. How I don't know how that happened, though. How you ended up with Brian Cox,
2: how that that whole thing came together. It was kind of, I mean, in some ways it was an accident in the way that ab- about 14 years ago, or maybe 15, I started doing shows which mixed up a bit of science yeah. as well. And then I started, I started used to do a show called The Book Club, where i get lots of kind of fantastic, weird acts. Uh, there used to be uh, Gorka Gogo, who did a fantastic film costumes and puppets and they used to do things like Elvis the Elephant Man Elvis wow. and uh, Liberani who was half Liberace and half Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> in the Terminator Liberani, and come uh, on. my mate Joanna Neary and Josie did a lot of them as yeah. well and we had lots of different people doing them and, and Noel Fielding turned up and stuff and um, and then I thought ah oh, right I've really enjoyed doing this but I wonder if I could take this ridiculous kind of variety show and put a bit of science in it as well yeah. so I would then get musicians and comedians and then every now and again i go and I'll just throw in a particle physicist yeah. and people think oh there's a particle physicist. I wasn't expect. Oh, oh, that's quite. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, didn't yeah. know about. It. So that was kind of the start. Of- and then uh, I did a pilot with Brian. Uh, I can't remember the Brian and uh, the scientist Adam Rutherford and Kevin Fong, and I was just down the line as a kind of you know intermittent uh, irritant to again break up the science a bit. Yeah. And someone listened to it and just thought, oh, hang on a minute maybe actually we want to do a show where you've got the intermittent irritant and uh, and the yeah. physicist. And that's kind of where it came from. And our producer, Sasha, who is, is, is remarkable and has a, a real tough job sometimes editing. I mean, oh, I know I when sometimes people come and see the live show, they think, well, I wasn't really expecting to be like that. And I go, yeah, this is the bits that you are not. Someone described me once it's like seeing the id of Radio 4. <laughs> um, they've unleashed it. But it was... Um, so it happened, and I'd known Brian, and we'd done a few gigs together, mm. and we'd done stuff like that, and it's just... And especially after, I think, about the third series, we really hit the stride, mm. and um, and it's a joy, and we both genuinely love doing it. Yeah. it it's like oh, you the, can tell that from yeah, listening like, to yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah, we've got yeah. a new series, we're going to do it. What are we going to do? Oh, we're going to do one about you know, the, the latest things that we found out about particle accelerators, and we're going, to do, yeah. we're going to have one where we've got a guest raven that comes on and actually does some tricks, which will be brilliant radio. And, you know, and and I think that and when we toured I mean we did last year and the year before we did I think 150 dates together and we only argued twice and both times it was over equations <laughs> and, uh, and some of the technicians said when we were doing like the arena tours they went we have never seen two people just as relaxed and we'd just be backstage mucking about have mm. a little in joke and then suddenly go the Brian Eno music's nearly finished you better wonder out there and then oh, welcome to He's the universe. a phenomenon
1: uh, Brian Cox because kids love it my mum has got such a crush on Brian Cox did god it's, it's it's horrific um uh, and and it's uh, and I was uh, and I didn't know in, until we, we chatted last year you're doing these arena shows and yeah, stuff is that's incredible man yeah that's so exciting
2: absolutely uh and it's brilliant. I mean, the fact that he can be such a big draw, yeah. you know, uh, uh, and and they're a joy to do is because just that balance between the science and then we do some mucking around and uh, and you look at the audience. People send mothers and fathers send pictures of their eight year olds who are sitting there with their exercise books out, making notes, <laughs> making notes. You know, in Nottingham Arena. Oh, I didn't quite get that. Sorry. Can you just go back How a bit? Funny. And it's um, great. And it's such a broad, and the lovely when you get tweets from people going, I didn't really understand a word of it, but my ten year old's explaining now. It's getting a lot and and yeah it's 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 uh
1: and book shambles you're still doing book shambles still doing book shambles about
2: books with josie long yep the next josie is not doing so many at the moment because uh she has had a baby so so she she will be back you know we we try and do as many together as possible but uh i've had alan moore is replacing josie long this week uh i've done a a couple of podcasts with alan moore and barney farmer who writes the brilliant uh viz cartoon strip uh drunken bakers and who has written a book called drunken baker which i promise you is Utterly remarkable and brilliant. And if it wasn't, I think something that grew out of Viz, yeah. then literary people would be going. This is one of the most fascinating monologues. I'm gonna from gonna the have some of that. It's really good. Yeah, and how's that's going
1: well? Is it? But you, people, you, 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 the thing about you and Josie is you've got very kind of, and I guess like this show to us in a smaller level. But you have a lot of very nice, kind of hardcore fans that like everything you do and follow you around and. Um what's the word I'm for? Grateful. They're grateful that there are people out there making something that doesn't quite fit into the into the norm. Uh, you know, you know, where else are you going to get two comedians talking about books with a guest, you know, into in that much detail. So Vonnegut heavy. Um, and I, I imagine you've got a lot of people that are grateful that you're doing these kind of things.
2: Well, yeah, it's just, I I think you have that moment of realization. Some people get it earlier, some people get it later. But I remember in an earlier part of of my career, there was that bit where you're going, oh, I suppose I better try and do that panel show and I better go on that thing. And you think there's a route. And then there is a point, and some people do use that route, and some people, But for me, there was a sudden point where I went, "Hang on a minute, what am I thinking? Why did I go into this in the first place?" And I remembered when I was 15, 16 years old, going down to you know kind of comedy clubs and cellars, and there's an a cappella singer, and there's someone doing some kind of weird kind of acrobatics, and then there's you know at that point Vic Reeves holding a lobster or was it a crab while singing the Star Trek theme tune, and I thought that's mm-hmm. you know the, the thing you need to do, or what I needed to do was do things that I really loved and was passionate about. And mm. so I think all the things that I do with Josie and I do with Brian and the things I do on my own are things that I really care about. And then you go, and a lot of the ideas started off with people going, oh, that's a terrible idea. Mm. Like the science shows, people went, oh, that's not going to work at all. Yeah. And some people would say to me, there's no money in that. Why are you doing that? And then you do find yourself years down the line, as I said, standing on a rising plinth shouting as Brian Blessed. And you go, oh, it's the right idea, mm. wasn't it? It's Was because it
3: right? I, I think it's because we need wonder little moments of wonder mm. we seem to be being told all the time that the world is crap and everything's going to go to hell in a handcart and there's nothing we can do about it but be cross about it mm. and what you do is with whether it's the books or the science it's just a little moment of discovery mm.
1: I know Just I agree anyone and I think but we recognize that a bit more having kids of of 6 and 8 you know this is you see the world through their eyes
3: for them science... I mean this is a whole generation of kids for whom science is not hard and uh, frightening like when we were doing it at school it's kind of oh this is going to be so complicated and boring right not not that not so anymore no. because I mean you make it sing and dance like a Jean-Michel Jarre concert
2: <laughs> but um, that's it I, I think I mean Lots of different things that uh, I'm involved with. And the book is one of them, actually. It's, it's about these things, which is giving people permission, giving people, you know, the, a lot of the science things that we started doing was because I thought, well, I was, you know, there was a point where I became rubbish at science mm-hmm. and you live that time where you go, oh, I don't, I don't really have a science mind. And then I started working on these things and going, well, everyone's got questions, as you said, wonder and curiosity mm. and wondering why the stars twinkle and all those things. And, uh, and then by doing, you know, one of my silly shows where I go, I'm an idiot, but it doesn't mean that I can't, Try and ask these questions, Mm. and then people go, "Oh, that's all right then." And I think you know, in in the same way, dealing with, you know. inner voices, strange behaviour, all that kind of thing of just saying, we're, you know, we are a multitude, we're a, a, such a confused, mixed things, and you have permission I mean, Josie does a great thing called Arts Emergency, which is to try and get more and more people from uh, deprived backgrounds, etc, doing uh, saying, you can be in the arts yeah, you are allowed to be yeah. a poet, you are allowed to be a screenwriter, you are allowed to, and again so so much, I think, of, of, a, of, of popular culture is saying this is not for you, and, this, uh, and, and I think you know, th- like you were talking in the, about this show as well, which is filled with a lot of joyous things and a lot of celebratory things, and a lot of it is saying you you can be per- mm. you know permission to be absurd. I'm enjoying your book. Oh, we didn't get. I've just I've just read the bit about
1: persona, and I thought that that was brilliant. But well, we'll you come you come back anytime you want, Robin. Thank it's you. Really, it's genuine. It's really nice to see you. The book is Robin Ince. I'm a joke, and so are you. A comedian's take on what makes us humans human. Uh, I'm going to tweet. You can get it in all the usual places, but I'm going to tweet the big green bookshop link. I'm going to find that in a second. At Robin Ince.
2: Yep. Any other things that you need to to nah. tell them about? I mean, I'm on tour perpetually until the 17th of December. So this, this week I'm in uh, uh, Bristol, Birmingham, Bromsgrove, Ilkley, Leeds and Henley. Then I'm Flippin in Cheltenham, Newcastle, North Allerton, Nottingham. And I've forgotten from there on.
1: Isn't that, isn't that exhausting?
2: Yeah, it's quite a bit, again, it's that bit where... You get the exhaustion, and you can go. You know, you're in that hotel room where there's the noise, and you hear all the. But then you grab that other bit and go. Yeah, oh, yeah. Imagine it's like when you think, "Ah, oh, I wish I could just have a normal job." Do you know what? We should all be punished uh, when you think that and go. Well, you are going to have to get up at six thirty. You're going to have to yeah, stand on an yeah. awful train, and uh, it's going to be packed, and you're going to do something joyless. So, it, yeah, it, it's not that it's always easy, but it's. And I sometimes before a gig, there are moments where you just go. Oh, this one hasn't sold as well. But the moment you hit the stage mm. and you think, whoever whoever's turned up, this will be a laugh, not it? Come Watch on, Birmingham, movie. pull your fingers out! <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you?
1: Robin, it's nice to see you. Thank um, you. This is The Late Night Alternative on Talk Radio.
2: The radio show where the owls are not what they seem. Do you or have you ever watched Twin Peaks? The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. They could be dreaming and meeting each other in their dreams. On Talk Radio.